really our, our tagline at Mindful Marketing is that we use ads to get you off using ads, right? And it's and the idea is that we're using ads to get you off the reliance of ads. There are two different kinds of companies post iOS 14.5. Those that relied heavily on acquisition versus the companies out there who have massive customer lifetime values. Thanks to a podcast exchange agreement, we have been fortunate to bring on the illustrious Jordan West of Mindful Marketing. Jordan is at the top of his game when it comes to advertising, running his own brand, as well as his agency, which services other top performing brands. He describes the mentality of mindful marketing in that it's about using ads to get you away from using ads. So in that sense, we encourage you to look at advertising as an investment as opposed to a cost. Plenty more where that came from. Enjoy. Jordan West, it is good to have you here on Ecomotics. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? I am great. I'm great. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. So thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this as well. I think this is a, a first for me, which is the ability to um, return the favor. You know, I've, I've had people who've been guests on the, our program first, and then I get to go do their show. And that's great. And I, and I, and I love it. Um, your, your team reached out to us um, through LinkedIn and wanted to do a podcast, a swap and exchange. So anybody who's considering that, feel free to reach out to us. We are more than happy to, to, to do that as well. So uh, one thing that I, that I would want to actually say to our listeners is that it wouldn't hurt to go check out uh, our, our episode on, on your end, the Mindful Marketing Podcast, because um, there's a couple of threads that I'd like to continue on from there. And also so that you can all shake my head as I, uh, as I, as I dip into my, my tinfoil hat side, uh, only briefly, but it, it wasn't too, it wasn't too much that we, you know, that we had to cancel the episode. So <laughs> it was just the right amount. Yes. Right. Yeah. Sweet spot. <laughs> all right. Well, opening question for you here on Ecomonics is to tell us what do you do? What are you up to these days? Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I am a multi-store, uh, e-commerce uh, owner as well as an agency owner. Um, we're, uh, with one of our business units right now, we're really big on, um, purchasing brands, uh, that have a mission behind them. So one of our brands is keep nature wild. Uh, we pick up a pound of trash for every item that we sell. Uh, and, uh, and we're just going to continue to grow that group of companies. Uh, we've had, uh, quite a few acquisitions that have fallen through recently. Um, but that's sort of what we're doing down there. And then we also have a made in Canada clothing company. Uh, and I am wearing one of our items right now. Uh, it's just the most comfortable clothing uh, that you will ever wear. That's sort of our our kind of flagship company. And then uh, running a marketing agency as well that helps service those companies. We basically, at, at Mindful Marketing, we used everything, all the tactics uh, that we're implementing in our brands uh, for our clients. So that's kind of what I'm up to these days. Uh, and then being a dad of three, that that takes up a bit of time too. So. So all, all together, you, you must have like an 80 hour to you know, 120 hour uh, commitment across all of your, your, your different, how, how, are you, how are you balancing all of this? Well, if anybody can see me, uh, you know, on, on video right now, and, and maybe even hear my voice, I, I do not work that many hours. I, I hope okay. I don't look like I work that many hours. No, I, I actually, uh, my schedule is very interesting. I really try and keep it between nine and two every day. Um, mm -hmm. But I do have uh, between the companies 50 employees. So um, that is how we get things done. So, okay. yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've had to uh, dispel that, um, misconception on my side as well. Some people, wow, you, you know, you're doing 40 hours. I'm like, I'm doing 40 hours in theory, uh, but in practice, you know, not, not, not quite as much. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. So I'd like to start with a, uh, with a quote here. Uh, this is from your, uh, from your agencies, you know, we help brands avoid extension, but extinction, not extension. We wouldn't want to avoid that. Avoid extinction by using paid ads to build a loyal base of repeat customers. And quick aside, I, so we, we had the image of the LinkedIn. And so I kept scrolling up and down because my short-term memory was just not, I was like, loyal base, doo -doo -doo. Okay. repeat, doo -doo -doo. customers. Anyways, so one thing that I learned from my high school marketing class long ago um, was that ads have two roles. The first is to generate interest and you know create customers. But the second is to validate pre-existing customers. So if someone sees a car commercial, maybe they already own the car, but it it continues to reinforce their commitment and their loyalty to the brand. Now that was in in high school, and that was some some time ago for for me. And the thing is, I can't say that I saw a continuation of that philosophy in the e-commerce space. 
um, in this ecosystem, to me, it seemed like ads, their primary role was to acquire the customers, but the retention and the loyalty building is all around customer service, it's community uh, dialogue, uh, whether you have a forum or Facebook page, um, email remarketing, all of those factors. What is it about the ads that are building the, the repeat customers and are, and are continuing on the more, you know, the, the long-form relationship with the company? Yeah. So really our, our tagline at Mindful Marketing is that we use ads to get you off using ads, right? And it's, and the idea is that we're using ads to get you off the reliance of ads. We, there, there are two different kinds of companies post iOS 14.5. Those that relied heavily on acquisition, right? Constant acquisition. And that was the only way that you actually were able to make money was acquiring these new customers versus the companies out there who have massive customer lifetime values. Uh, and they've got the, the whole retention side of things. So as an example, uh, one of the companies that, that we own, our customer lifetime value, our average customer lifetime value is $1,200 right? Our average order value is about 130. So you can see they're making between nine and 10 purchases. It's, it's just crazy, right? So we do that through building communities. Right now we're building those communities on Facebook. We really think that Facebook is still prioritizing groups. And we've still seen, even with the advent of neighborhoods, which has been in beta, um, groups are still showing up uh, much more, uh, you, you know, within the group's uh, members themselves. And they're making some changes right now, but I still think that's the best place to, to build that community. And then SMS is next, right, for, for those notifications. Uh, we always are trying to capture SMS, uh, SMS data, uh, text message data. And then the next one uh, that comes in there is email. So we really want to own all of that. And before the advent of all of these retention channels, of course, you'd continue to show people ads, right? You'd continue to reinforce the fact that like, Hey, when you buy that Lincoln, you're going to be cool. Like, uh, whatever his name is, that is in the Lincoln commercials, you know, who is the guy I can see him right now. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey. Exactly. You buy a Lincoln, you're going to be like Matthew McConaughey. And so when people see those ads who already own a Lincoln, they think, Oh, I'm closer to Matthew McConaughey than ever now. Like I basically got it. I just got to work on the accent. Um, mm -hmm. it's a little bit different these days. I think that we can be much more, much more targeted with our ads. I'm not saying that we don't put our ads out to our current customers. Of course we do, but we don't have the reliance on having to do that, right? Because we built up these channels that are so sticky that we don't have to. And we just kind of use that as a net to sort of gather up um, during a sale or during uh, some new promo. We kind of use that, that net to sort of gather up the ones who haven't you know, seen in the past. So that's really how I view advertising. Um, we still put a lot of money into advertising between our, our all of our companies, like absolutely. But I'm not obsessed with it the same way that I'm obsessed with the customer journey and actually getting that customer lifetime value higher and higher. And that's by doing good things. It's not by just selling stuff to people, right? If, if, if all that I'm trying to do is just, you know, be a drop shipper that just sells stuff just for the sake of, you know, making a dollar per item or something. That to me, that's not interesting. I, I really like building a brand and building something that people can actually uh, glom onto. And then whatever I sell, right, needs to be good. And people need to like it so that they're going to tell their friends. And then that's where word of mouth comes in. Does your agency have have drop shippers? Um, or, or is it that by the by the time that they're ready to work with you, they've I guess, transition out of that and into more of a wholesale or even manufacturing um, side of the business? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a, a few of our clients will drop ship from big brands alongside of owning their own brands. But it's very, it's very rare when people come to us at Mindful Marketing, it's because they already have a brand that really needs um, to build out a very solid retention arm uh, and as well needs to acquire customers, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully at uh, break even, right? That that's always kind of the hope, and so we'll. Um, so so generally, if somebody's coming in, all they're doing is drop shipping. We're not super interested in that. That's not where our passion lies. And people have had tons of success. I'm sure there's lots of people listening right now that are like, I've had great success drop shipping. That's awesome. I actually drop shipped uh, back in I think it was 2014. I was doing hoverboards when hoverboards first came out, and that was that was awesome. But there wasn't really the same kind of passion that I have for running these businesses. Um, and these brands that I really believe um, have that sort of, uh, yeah, I'm always looking at exit potential too, right? And and these brands have the exit potential, especially once we get into that sort of million to $2 million in EBITDA, they have that that potential of, of going for eight to 10X 
that EBITDA. So it's really, to me, that's kind of the long-term play. And that's why I think building brands is so important. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm embarrassed to have to ask because uh, I've been able to hang on to the majority of the jargon, but EBITDA, that one, I'm not familiar with. Oh, sorry. With. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't know it. No, no, that's fine. Uh, so EBITDA is essentially your profits, right? So it's earnings before income, tax, and amortization. So it's it's essentially, if you can think of your profit, but it's profit plus you add on all that interest and all of those things that, that you're you're paying for. So it actually makes the number a little bit better. That's generally what we base when we're valuing a company that we're going to go buy. We're basing it on their EBITDA. Right. Because I, th- I think even going, going back to some what of my early learnings in, in marketing uh, way back is, you know, you can characterize your, your your gross earnings and your and your net earnings as, you know, what it is you take away afterwards. But I think that doesn't really tell the entirety of the story, because now you have to think about, well, what do I have to do with this money and how much of that money is now essential to reinvest into my business? So it's not even something that I can take home. It's not something that I can put towards my next link. It's something that I now have to uh, re-evolve into it. So I think what the, the 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 idea here is to paint a very clear picture about these are this is the money that you you need to continue to invest into your business, and then you have a clear idea of what money you might actually be able to take away at the end of the day. Absolutely, and and so that's that's what we're basing values on. And the companies that are building brands are are always going to have a higher multiple when it comes to that. I want to ask you something specifically about the the ad itself. So. It's been a pretty consistent formula, you know, and anytime I talk about this, um, the ad formula goes uh, hook, old, bad, new, good, um, benefits over features, call to action. I, I don't have to look at the, 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 the sheet that time. I actually was able to pull that uh, out of memory. And so based on the objectives that you're trying to um, reach with your advertisement, have you had to um, derive a variation on that formula or has it largely, you've largely been able to uh, stick to that? Or, or how would you characterize a formula for your ads? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a bunch of different copy formulas that we use when when we're trying to write ads, right? And it really depends what what we're selling. When it comes to apparel, unless you're solving a specific problem for somebody, you don't really have problem solution, right? Uh, for say, let's let's say for our Canadian clothing company, the Kindred Studio, uh, which houses a bunch of different brands, you know, the, really the problem that we could derive would be that. Uh, you know, people's kids' clothing falls apart. It's just not good quality. It doesn't actually last um, the test of time, especially for how crazy kids are, right? And all the different things that they do. We make clothing that actually lasts. And then we would put some reviews down there. Um, I think social proof and reviews are really important when it comes to this, uh, them being able to see themselves in the review. Um, but that's about as good as we're going to get when it comes to apparel, right? And selling apparel. Other things that that really um, tend to work are just seeing images of people in the same clothing as you, right? And so making sure that your models, that you have a ton of different models uh, is really important when it comes to um, imagery. So when it comes to apparel marketing, Really, the imagery and the the creative is really what is driving all of this. Um, so, what I picture as far as people's eye movement when they see an ad uh, in the in in apparel, right? This is what if you're solving a specific problem, this this isn't necessarily going to be the same thing. But it's image, the first thing that they look at. Then, if it's Facebook newsfeed, they're going to look down to the headline, right? So, put the most amount of energy into the into testing those headlines. Then, if they like that headline, then they're going to go back up and take a look. Uh, at your your copy in the description. And that's really where you're trying to sell the click, right? So always making sure, one of the things that, that we notice when we audit accounts is that people don't have hyperlinks in their ad copy description. I'm like, that's that's where like the majority of the clicks take place after they've looked at the image, looked at the headline, and then gone back up. That's true for the Facebook news feed. Now, when it comes to the Instagram feed, really it's image focused, right? You're really just trying to get that out there. Use as much text as you can to try to drive people using the image. Not as many people are going to read the copy and there's no hyperlinks in the copy on Instagram. So I'm not even sure what question I was answering of yours, but there you go. Right. Well, no. And again, it was just about, you know, the formula and format for, for ads, because uh, w- one of the things that really stuck out, even at the beginning of your answer was, you know, you have different um, formats and different copy for, for different products that you're trying to sell. And the thing that stuck out too was, you know, I, I think not all ads are necessarily about solving a problem. Um, in, in yeah. the case of the apparel, it, it is about solving a problem. But I think so if I if I if I break this down for a second, you know, on the one hand, you have apparel that's very much utility, I think sportswear, everyday wear, and stuff like that, that 
I think it leans more into solving a problem, whereas you get into more, you know, high end fashion, um, more is just about the look. I think it leans a little bit more into wow factor. So it's not, totally. so again, the copy uh, wouldn't be the same, even if technically both clothes, can, you can make an argument in both the ways that yes, this yeah. is still utility. You still have to wear it. And then and this side, yes, this is, it could still look good. So yeah. I mean, a bunch of things um, uh, popped out to me. That was, that was one of them. Another one that, that popped out to me as well is, you know, your, 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 your dedication and to, making sure that you know this is good quality product and that it lasts and here's what i way think happened and i don't think this has affected the e-commerce space so much but i know this is something that occurred more in our contemporary um industry getting into stuff like planned obsolescence where you know yeah. businesses realize hey you know what why don't we just plan for our our, our smartphones to to conk out after three years and then all of a sudden they're going to have to move on to the next one? What I think happened is there was this fearfulness that if people made their products too good, they wouldn't have customers. You know, they, they they'd sell their first run of it and then no one would have to pick up another product from them for years. I haven't looked into this lately because one is this is one of those improv questions, but like Kenmore, for instance, you know, people still have Kenmore products from from way way back, but I don't. I, I generally don't think they're in, they're in business right now. I think their their product was too good. So, anyways, let me summarize all this into an actionable question for you. The better the quality of your product you sell to the customer, that means you have to find out other means to continue on to earn more sales. Right? You're you're looking into um, user generated content, trying to shoot word of mouth to others. So, how are you able to build up that uh, that that consistency in sales if you know when one person is pretty satisfied with their product and you know, there's only so many they can buy, there's only so many one individual can buy. That's an awesome, awesome question. That's, I'm going to answer it for apparel, and I'm and I'm going to say in apparel, it's it's this is why we're in baby clothing, right? This is why mm. we're in baby, mm. toddler, kids, youth women's all the way to XXL. Uh, we're in pajamas. We're in all of these different places, head, bow, head bows, all of these different things that we can do to serve the customer. Kids grow, right? So they always need new things. It's a huge testament to our brand that in our VIP group, we have about 10,000 people. In our in a group that we don't manage or own, we don't even touch, we're not even in the group. Um, there are about 8,000 people that are in our buy, sell, trade group that somebody has just put together and people buy, sell, and trade our clothing, right? To me, that's the biggest advertisement of all, right? People know mm -hmm. that they can take their clothes and go and sell them there and size up. Uh, if anything, it's just a testament to other people like, oh my gosh, this is like incredible quality. Now that works for clothing. And, and that's, and of course, in apparel, when it comes to electronics, I mean, planned obsolescence seems like a great business plan? I don't really know. Coming from, I've never been the CEO of one of those kinds of companies before. And I don't know what kind of decisions I'd make. Personally, that goes completely against my core values. I don't want to create more junk in the world. That's not what I want to do, right? there. I think that there's enough people in the world um, for your target market that you can create incredible products that last a long time uh, that more and more people will just purchase. I mean, look at Honda, right? Like I've mm -hmm. only ever owned Honda vehicles and I don't know if they, it's ever broken down any of my Honda vehicles yet. I've probably owned 10 over my life so far because I continually want to get the newest one or, or whatever it is, but they've always been so good. And that's why I buy them because they're so good. Do I buy less vehicles because they're so good? I, I probably doubt it. Um, do I like absolutely love that company and think that everything they do is amazing? Yes. Do I hate that they don't have an electric vehicle yet? Yes. <laughs> anyway, what uh, what stuck out to me, you know, even from the, um, um, from the first question that I had asked you, is you know, it seems to be that there's a real genuine connection to everything that you're working on, and you know, including your 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 environmental brand. Sorry, I, I, if you don't mind, I'm 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 kind of keen on hearing a little bit more about it exactly. So to summarize it from uh, for for you, so you know, every product that you sell, it's uh, you, you clean up um, a, a certain amount of uh, a waste, you know, either on the highway or wherever. So absolutely, yeah, I can tell you all about that. So um, we actually purchased this brand from the two founders that that created it, and we loved it because we love brands that have community built around them. And so this brand already had this incredible community called the wild keepers that go out and pick up trash. And so one of our full-time uh, employees manages the wild keepers and that's their entire job. And so we've got about, I believe about 5,500 people now that uh, commit to going out and picking up trash throughout the month. Uh, and so it's a really cool community experience where people get to um, get to know some of their um, friends in the area that are also passionate about that. We really focus on trails 
uh, and neighborhoods cleaning up. Uh, and so that's a big thing for us. And we record all of that, uh, all of that trash cleanup um, just through certain forums that the, uh, that the group has. And it's really done incredible things for some of these areas. So people now call us up, um, especially at, at parks, right, where people will go and just trash it, right? They'll just leave all of their garbage and the parks will, will call up the wild keepers and call up, uh, you know, the people who run our program and just say like, hey, is there any way you guys can come and do a cleanup there? And it really changes uh, changes the, the environment, right? Which then when other people go there and see how clean it is, they're not going to just chuck their trash out. It, it's kind of like a, the broken windows idea, right? That like the more you clean that stuff up, the less bad things that are going to happen in the area. And we really believe in that. Um, for me, I'm, I'm a mountain biker. I go out three or four times a week. Um, I hate seeing trash on the trails. So it's really, uh, something that I'm very passionate about. Yeah. So that's kind of what our group looks like and why I think that it's, it's so amazing. So for people who are listening, if you can think of a way to rally your um, customers around, if your brand isn't quite strong enough to rally them around your brand yet, then rally them around some sort of mission, right? Something that you can do to get everybody on board. Yeah, that's what that's what we believe in down there. Maybe as well, you know, forming a partnership or, or trying to add your weight to a larger effort, like a larger organization. Say if, uh, if an environmental group is having an event, and you say, you know, we're working with this particular group. So, you know, all, all of us, we can join them, be a part of a larger collective effort. Absolutely. Yes. And that's the that's the best place to start, right? Find people who are already doing it and try and partner together with them. We've had huge companies um, talk to us, you know, Amex, Apple, big companies that aren't going to create their own program, but they really believe in what we're doing. And so they want to partner together with us. Um, so it's really cool. Uh, think about that. Maybe that's probably the first step to take is before you create your own community is just try and find other ones to partner with. I love that. I didn't want to turn this into too much of an environmental episode, but I got one. This is actually something I'm just personally curious about because this is something that I has been driving me crazy for for a long, long time. Um, I, I, I I do you know try my best uh, not to litter and not to litter, and I largely succeed, which usually ends up meaning I put things in my backpack and then I end up throwing it out. You know when I get to throw a garbage can um, at home, reusing bags. But over time, plastic bags have built up. We've got quite a few of them. Do you know like what's a way to you know properly recycle them or to or to repurpose them or anything like that? Like I have like a hundred of these in a bin, and I'm trying to figure out how to do something useful with them. That's an awesome question. I mean, I, I've got the exact same problem over here, right? I think that generally just reusing whatever you can, if, if, if you have any use for them, is probably the best way to do it. Uh, as far as on the West Coast uh, is concerned, most places uh, have either banned plastic bags um, or they charge for these plastic bags. So you're, you're incentivized not to use them. And I think that's probably the first step, right? It's just like, like anytime that you need to use a plastic bag, maybe just think like, is there any other way I could do this without that, without getting them into the environment? And besides that, I mean, on, on the West Coast also, we do have recycling for these uh, at specific recyclers. Um, so you can do that. I think the biggest thing is just getting them out of the environment, right? And making sure that they're not clogging up streams and mm -hmm. um, and that they're not, you know, making nature look disgusting. And that's why at that company is, is keep nature wild. We really believe in that, in that, uh, that sort of idea of, of making sure that all the nature around us is wild because we've done crazy things over the years, right? We've, <laughs> we've created all, all sorts of garbage and we've seen those pictures and we see it often. Well, we don't see it as much in Canada as we do in the States. I think that we treat we treat the environment a little bit differently and especially west coast over here like that's all you know it's it's huge it's what we talk about all the time so yes there you go there's your answer mm -hmm. getting back into uh e-commerce questions for you so uh this is one of the ones that i i, I was uh I, uh, excited to ask about because I'm not going to lie, I do I do like a, a little bit of a little bit of gossip in here or there. So one another one of the things that stuck out to me um, at the beginning is you know you 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 worked on your business, you built your brand, um, and then um, saw that you were effective at it, and 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 have, now you have an agency in, in regards to it, so that you you know you can work with others. Um, so my question is in two parts. One of them is. Um, in your experience, have you seen agencies or where maybe they just jumped right into starting an agency um, and didn't necessarily have that, that tangible experience? And if they were able to still be convincing, still able to actually provide quality work for others? Um, uh, that, that's a more, more like a, a, a warm up question for it. So have you, have, have you by any chance um, seen that in your experience? 
I think that anytime somebody goes into the agency world and does not have experience or empathy for the people that they're serving, they will not be as effective. Um, I think that anytime that there's an us and them sort of um, scenario of we're the agency, you're the client, oh, all e-commerce store owners do this, right? And you don't actually know and you don't empathize with them. I don't think that you can be quite as effective. So that really speaks to people, right? When they're thinking of who to actually um, go with. To me, it's they have to have some sort of experience, right? So agencies who are actually running their own stores, massive, right? Or have run stores in the past or know know what those pain points actually are, I think are so much more effective than somebody just being like, well, I kind of know how to run Google ads or Facebook ads. So I guess I'm going to do this, right? It, it takes so much more than just having a little skill set in a certain area to actually have an effective agency. Do you have an opportunity to, to work directly with any of these for any personal experiences? Any any other agencies? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So like when we were first starting before we kind of spread our wings with the amount of different things that we did at the agency, um, I talked to a ton of different agencies in places like web development, which we don't do. Uh, mm-hmm. We weren't doing retention marketing for, for a long time. So I was talking to retention marketing companies. And every time that I've worked with like a CRO uh, company, sorry, conversion rate optimization, any of those kinds of companies that I've worked with before uh, have always disappointed me. Every single time um, I have been disappointed and I don't want to send my friends there. That's the biggest thing. If you guys ever get um, from me a referral, you'll probably get 50 referrals um, because I love the service. I always tell people, I'm like, oh, you should just give it to me for free and let me try because I will send you so many people, but I will not send people to those kinds of agencies, the ones that really aren't actually doing the work and just kind of creating more work. I think one of the biggest pain points that I've had is that they're constantly, when I hire something out, I want it done, right? But instead what ends up happening is it ends up actually just creating more work. So if you're working with an agency that's creating you more work, probably not the place to go. Um, More work by being like constant questions about every sort of thing. If they don't get it and get your brand, then run. Go go somewhere else because it's not it's not going to be uh, a good experience for you. It's not going to be fun for them either. And then another th- thing that stuck out to me too, um, just off, off the way that your you know your agency works, is one of the things that you can read on the website is, um, you know, once the once the payment goes through, uh, work starts right away. So there is no there is no downtime. There's no like okay, well you know uh, we'll 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 talk to you next week. It's it's an instantaneous thing. And I happen to think that you probably experienced the opposite of that as well, where, you know, you would hear from an agency. So when you said that, you know, it takes additional work, one of the first things that came to my mind is additional work and having to dialogue with these people nonstop and say, Hey, you know, what's, uh, uh, how, how are, how are things going? Is just, just giving you a friendly reminder say, I, you know, I only gave you like $16,000. So, you know, yes. yeah. And it's almost like being grateful to even been able to pay them money rather than them being grateful to receive the money and provide a service. That's one of the biggest pain points that I've had when working with agencies is that as soon as they get your money, you don't even hear from them. You're like, Okay, like when are we getting started? Oh, yeah, it'll be about in another week, right? And so we looked at all of these things that were pain points for us. uh, And we thought we've got to create our agency to be the antithesis of the agencies that people hate on. And and if anybody's on LinkedIn, you'll see it's just constant agency bashing on LinkedIn, uh, especially in the econ world, because there's been all of these agencies that have now grown out of out of nothing, right? And it's like, well, I was good at this. So I'm just going to start it up. Um, those are not agencies. Those are one man shows that happen to have, you know, an extra person here or there. Um, and so we've really tried everything that we can at mindful marketing to be able to do the opposite of what those people are doing and look at the pain points that I have had as a business owner. Um, I, I really am the avatar for our customer. And so I think like, okay, wh- what do I want? And so some of my, par- you know, one of my partners, uh, every once in a while will, you know, bring up an idea and I'm like, no, it's not going to work. Agency owners, are, or sorry, uh, e-com store owners are not going to like that. Um, that's not going to speak to them. And so it's really important, to, I think, to have that voice um, in the agency. And that's one of the main reasons why I continue on at the agency. Um, it's not a have to right now. It's a, it's a love to, right? Because I really love to see other store owners thrive. I, I believe in a world that there is an unlimited amount of pie for everyone. We're not taking little slices, Right. Mm-hmm. There is an unlimited amount uh, of resources out there. 
And I really want to help other people see that and succeed at the same time. Yeah, I, I, I happen to agree with you on that. Um, I, I, I've come at it from a different angle, which is, I think, if you look at the, the size of any given market, there that's never the extent that that market size will be for for good there are ways to expand on that market and like one way that i that i that i realized this is not necessarily e-commerce but um you know one of the one of the biggest tv dramas of all time was the walking dead i think a lot of people got into that show because it was zombie carnage not realizing that it was also an hour-long drama so what that did was i think that it actually created more demand for people to watch hour-long dramas now that they were a little bit more accustomed to the format you know amc had other ones for them to watch as well so i think there are ways to to, to do that in pretty much in, in in any niche or any in any in a genre or any product which is you know you look at the market don't have that mindset that scarcity mindset of i'm only going to be able to find my little um uh, pick of it a lot of it is also building a higher awareness and I think a lot of that speaks to a lot of the community building and all the dialogue that you talked about, which is, you know, rallying your your your, your people to be a part of a, of a larger cause as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love that example. <laughs> <laughs> Someday I'll be able to come up with something more specifically relevant to e-commerce, but uh, it is not this day. Um but at the same time, too, I, I, I've uh, I've made it a careful mission to remain an outsider, so I remain that perspective. And so, you know, I like to think I'm coming up with analogies for 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 my, for my people from my side of the aisle. Anyway, Absolutely. This is a question that I always love asking for for people such as yourself who, who who run agencies, and I'm really looking forward to it because you know I love hearing the passion come through and and how much you really care about doing this. It's called I've made it. It's called a data aggregate. I've never actually said the word out loud, but that's what I write down when I'm dropping notes. It's collecting data in aggregate. It's observing patterns and trends from all of the people that you're working with over time, and ideally you know, you can share that knowledge with one another. Say, hey, I noticed this about these guys. I'm going to share this with you. So um, have you uh, identified any patterns maybe, in, we'll say, let's say in the last six to 12 months that you've noticed across your different clients? Absolutely. So across our brands and clients, one thing that we have noticed uh, substantially, and this is every single person, we, we also run a mastermind with about 30 uh, people in it. Everyone is seeing the same thing. Customer acquisition costs have risen substantially. Now, the companies that are actually doing well are the ones that pivoted right? And change their strategy. Uh, and those ones are, are doing well, but still seeing customer acquisition costs about 30% higher at the best, uh, the best time. And so we use a, a tool with all of our clients and all of our companies that is called Lifetimely. And that helps us really check out, first of all, lifetime value, customer acquisition cost changes over time. Uh, it allows us uh, to see when customer acquisition cost actually gets paid back. That's the really big thing that we're seeing is that if somebody tells you that this didn't actually affect iOS 14.5, actually affect customer acquisition costs, they're completely lying to you. It did. It did. It's not, it's not like you can't, like, you know, people will say like, oh, it's just the data that you can't see. That is a complete lie. It's not just the data. It's the targeting. It's being able to actually acquire customers at a, at a realistic cost. That is all changed. Um, and so we've seen that across every single account um, that we're running across probably about 100 different accounts. Customer acquisition cost has just risen, and that's just something we have to get used to. We have to get better as marketers. We also just have to get used to the fact that like Facebook's heyday is gone. We, we, mm -hmm. just, we need to create better businesses that can withstand that kind of customer acquisition cost. Well, I, I'd like to get your take on this as well, because uh, this is the first time that I've actually had the opportunity to to mention it, but Facebook isn't even going to be Facebook before too long. It's it's, it's yeah. switching over to, to a new name called Meta, which if I was 20 years old and I was still on my, my postmodern bent where I loved everything turning Meta, I'd be uh, super stoked about it. Now, not so much. So, and I, I think back to like, you know, all of all of the, the work that I've done here on this show and, and trying to uh, acquire and share knowledge based on Facebook, but I haven't exactly spent a heck of a lot of money on, on the platform. Whereas well, I, I'm just wondering what's going through the minds of, uh, of yourself and your, and your peers, you know, with Facebook undergoing such a significant shift, how much uh, a pivoting do you, do you think you're going to have to deal with in, in, in the coming months? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think that the platform itself and the, you know, 22 different ad placements that they have um, are not going away, right? Instagram, uh, you know, has seen record amounts of people on it, especially as they've moved to Reels. Reels are a huge part of, of Instagram now. They've really pulled in like our age demographic uh, into using reels and staying on that platform rather than going over to TikTok. 
Um, so I think that there's going to continue to be, you know, the 3 billion people that use Facebook's products or Meta's products, including Facebook, right? And Facebook itself probably won't go through a name change, the actual platform of Facebook. It's the general company that's gone to Meta now. Um, I think that the metaverse is going to be interesting if that there will be probably be a lot of advertising opportunities there. Um I don't think the company is going away anytime soon. I still think that it's the number one customer acquisition channel. Um, we've delved into TikTok uh, and it's just not as robust of a platform yet. I think it's going to get there. Um, also, I think that the demographic that, that is on TikTok isn't, their wallets aren't quite as open as Facebook and Instagram uh, and, the, and all the surrounding apps as well. So that's sort of my take on things. I think things are going to get better again and then they're going to get worse and then they're going to get better. <laughs> <laughs> and that's generally how, what happens with the market. I am I, I myself. I have struggled to 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 not use TikTok, and I am happy to say that I have lost that battle. Um, what I'm what I'm finding with TikTok in, in particular is that it doesn't seem to encourage engagement. Um, it, if if you know if we are going to be um, super transparent about this, it really is all about the dopamine. Um, I, I I think with with Facebook, a lot of the longtime users have seen the changes to it over time, but a lot of those early habits, I think still stick around. So Facebook, you know, I remember using it uh, 10 years ago and, you know, it was easier to dialogue with people because that's pretty much all you could do. You have to send messages, yeah. post, uh, post some pictures and stuff like that. And that's all still there. It's just that other things have been added on to it to try to attract, um, try to condition different behavior, but also attract new behavior. So with TikTok, I think the challenge is the opposite is that they're, you know, they're great at, you know, acquiring attention, and but I I don't see how much of a shift that platform can go through. It'd still be TikTok, but then continue to get more people engaged. So, you know, all the people running OnlyFans, they seem to be doing okay, and I'm not sure why. But everybody else, I don't know. I haven't the the engagement there. It's been rather difficult from my perspective. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And we've we've seen some great results using TikTok influencers, but not necessarily TikTok ads. We're just not seeing the kind of performance that we'd love to see comparatively to even Facebook in a post iOS 14.5 world. We're seeing still much better results there. Uh, would you say that post iOS 14 is the equivalent of like a post apocalypse? Apocalyptic in a, in a movie universe. It, it absolutely is for e-commerce store owners. If you haven't felt it yet, you will feel it next year, right? When your repeat customers uh, don't come back the same way that they that they used to, because you haven't built up new customers. So if you don't know those numbers yet, e-commerce store owners, <laughs> you need to know, right? So I recommend <laughs> Lifetimely, awesome app to be able to get all of that data and actually see, like, well, how many new customers? did we acquire? What is our actual customer acquisition cost? Most people don't know what that cost is because they don't have it aggregated right between mm -hmm. their channels. So lifetime, I just, you know, I don't get anything from lifetime. I want to buy them, but, um, but that's neither <laughs> here nor there. Um, I just think that it's the most incredible data app that, that you have to make really relevant decisions. Speaking of apps, so this is another one of the ones that I'm really excited to ask you uh, coming into this conversation. So for those of you who are who didn't or haven't yet uh, listened to um, um, my guest appearance on on Jordan's show, um, um, Mindful Marketing Podcast, you know I'm I'm discussing Debutify and how you know it, it has uh, numerous add-ons um, to try to be self-sufficient, uh, not have to use as I mean obviously we encourage the use of external apps. I certainly have quite a few. And over the year and a half, talking to people, many of whom are, you know, the the ones there to um, promote their apps, I've I've signed on to quite a few. I got to about like nine or ten, and I thought, oh, this is getting out of hand. And then and then and then you mentioned that you know, you know some of yours um, have upwards of sixty apps. So a what what happened and how you know how does it get to that point? Um, how how would you audit this and an ecosystem like that? I just I can't help but wonder the management uh, challenges involved in you know making sure that they're up to date, it, um, getting along you know simpatico with other apps. I, I mean I can't even um, that's as far as I can characterize it. But yeah, so what, what what's the situation like that and how how do you feel it needs it needs best dealing with? Totally. So this is how it happens, right? You start out knowing nothing. Right. And yeah. you realize on your website that you've got an issue that you don't know how to solve and you don't have the money yet to solve it because you're still new. So you add an app that solves that problem for now. And then another problem pops up. And then soon, 68 different problems have popped up and you've solved them all with apps. And you realize that now you actually have the revenue that you don't need to do that and solve those problems. 
um, because the original theme that you were using didn't have some of that functionality. And that's really what it comes down to, right? Is like the basic Shopify themes just don't have the functionality built into them. Now, I believe Dawn does. Dawn, Dawn uh, 2.0 has a ton of functionality built into it. Do you still need external apps? Absolutely, especially with that. Do you need 68 external apps? No. Now, myself for this, luckily, um, between our companies, I just hired a, a very strategic um, uh, head of, I'm trying to think what exactly what his, what his role is. Essentially, he's, he's our e-commerce strategist. And so he's already gone in and he's identified 30 apps that we no longer need. And so, so that will be, uh, we'll start to make sure that uh, we start taking away those. There are certain apps that you, that you must have. Like, uh, for instance, we're at the place now where we need an inventory management system. Well, you have to have that app plug in to your, to the back end of, of Shopify. You have to have a customer service portal. Um, if please don't run things on Gmail guys, gorgeous. Love the guys over at gorgeous. Uh, great, great platform. Um, there's, there's those ones that you really need, but basically any web functionality, you can get a developer to, to do for you. And most likely it's going to, after over a year, pay off for you or just get a great theme. Right. And that's where the guys at Debutify, uh, have, have really nailed it. When you look at all of the different features and functionality that they have built in, that would probably eliminate 40 of my apps. So, so find something. And, and, and what that does is site, site speed is so important these days. And, and those apps just drag your site down. Um, so that's, that's just a huge part and just a really quick answer to say, uh, think twice before you install one of those apps. Uh, and also, lots of times you'll add an app and it won't, when you delete it, it won't take the code off your website. So the code's still mm-hmm. sitting there slowing your website down. So yeah, that, I, I, I wanted to ask you about that because I was, I was just wondering about that. Somebody else mentioned that and I just wanted to get a few more takes on it. Like the ghost of the app still still lingers. And so, yes. To, so, and, and what they said was, um, and I uh, forgive me previous guest, I forgot who was was specifically that said this, but the solution mm-hmm. might actually just be full, you know, close the website down, start it up again from scratch, you know, knowing what you, we know now, it might be a lot easier to to do that rather than try to go in and actually like exercise those uh, those those ghosts you could if you've got a good web developer i i don't recommend getting rid of your your current theme if it's converting um there's a lot of things that you've probably put in there that you don't realize that you may need so i think just finding a good web developer and letting them know hey this is the code that we need to get rid of uh, and they can do that or or again just move over to a better converting theme now that shopify has upgraded to version 2.0 we needed to make sure we were up to speed So we've released version 4.0 to ensure that we're 100% equipped to take advantage of the 2.0 revolution. If you haven't upgraded your store, head on over. And if you haven't gotten started, now's as good time as any. We're down to our last 10 minutes or rather, you know, nine minutes and, uh, and, a, and a goodbye that's not to, uh, excessively rushed. And, and, and this is always uh, what I, uh, my, my philosophy of podcasting is you always want to run out of time. You never want to run out of questions. And I'm definitely running out of time in this case. Um, so here's something that I wanted to get your take on. It's about um, product ab- abandonment. So I, I think from, I'm, I'm, I'm keen on hearing it from your perspective because, you know, your, your products, you know, they come from a place of, um, a solving personal problems, but also, you know, there's, there's, there's a dedication to it and there's a passion for it. And, and I, and I glance at the brands that, you know, you have displayed on your website and they all seem to, uh, fall within those, those similar characters. There's obviously a lot of care, um, and, and there's a lot of dedication to it. So, so we have that. Keep that in mind. That's one plate spinning. But the other plate to, to, to start spinning is, as well, you know, we do hear you know, certainly a piece of information that I have received you know, numerous times is when it comes to product testing, you can test it. Maybe the test works, maybe not so much. It might be, it might be an idle time to, to, to move on. So I, I, wanna, I guess I just want to get your, your side of this is you know, where you draw the line in regardless of a person's passion for it, which actually could be detrimental, right? If they can't yeah. you know, disassociate the emotion from, from, the, from, the, from the numbers is even in, in, a, in a specific example, um, have you seen where have you had to draw the line between this is working and this is not working, this needs retinkering, this is don't give up on this, this has potential and, and yeah, and, and, and all of that. Now you're talking as far as like specific products are concerned. That's, that's a good point. It's sometimes a brand, uh, is, you know, is, is strong and solid and the product's got to go, but also, you know, some of my listeners too, they don't even have a brand yet. They just, they're, they're just trying to figure out what's their first product. So, um, let, I would say let's, let's 
do product and not brand for the purpose sure, of this yeah. question. Yeah. So yeah, so for you guys who are who are testing products out there and figuring it out, the first thing that I'm gonna look at is return rate. Right. That's a that's mm-hmm. a huge one. Look at return rate. If people are constantly returning the product, uh, I'd say if it's anything over about five percent, you need to you need to figure out either a tweak to the product um, or you need to uh, just come up with a new product. The next thing that I'm going to look at is customer reviews. Right. Um, if if people are leaving great reviews, awesome. If you're getting a bunch of two, three, one star reviews, you got to start again or do something else with the product or maybe the expectations of the product. Maybe you're a really good marketer who's like just selling this product is like, this is the best thing you've ever seen, blah, 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 blah. And then they get it and they're like, this is horrible. <laughs> um, that's those, those are some, some big things that I look at right away there. Uh, and then I just look at, at other customer feedback. So customer service is just a great place to get these, to get this feedback and then doing some post-purchase uh, surveys after they've actually got the product to ask them about it. Um, you can use some great uh, some great services like Inquire Labs or No Commerce um, to really get some of that data from them on the product itself, and then start doing the tweaks yourself. In apparel, you know we're releasing new products all the time, but generally we're using the same fabric or the same fabric base um, for these. Um, so we're doing the same thing. We're always getting feedback from these products, and uh, and we're also looking at sales velocity, right? How which one of these products is actually selling through, and so you can use. A lot of different uh, services. Uh, I believe Inventory Planner will help you with sales velocity. Uh, we uh, at all of our companies use Finale Inventory. That's a really good one that shows sales velocity. So it's just figuring those things out before killing a product, I think is really important. And maybe it's just a tweak that you need to make with your supplier. That's that's one thing that you can do as well. And I think one thing that's important to point about uh, uh, about that too is that um, I mean, obviously a lack of sales can be an issue, but I think for a lot of people, the concern is, my, my goodness, what if I'm not even getting sales? I think it's important to demystify that particular uh, limiting factor, which is, it's not that you're not going to get sales, it's that you might not get the amount. And then I think return rates uh, right there is is huge. I think, okay, great. Yeah, I got a hundred sales and I now have 50 of them lying around in my apartment. That yeah. yeah, that's definitely an indicator of a of a bigger issue, regardless of the sales keep coming in. So yes, yes, all right. absolutely. All right, so I I'm just going to um, I got one more one. I just I was curious to ask this one more more for the fun of it because one thing that um, I I saw from your profile as well is you know you're you also are, are a part time paramedic. Um, are you still actively doing that or or, or is that I uh, am I am not. I, yeah, I I actually ended up quitting last March. Last March. Yes. Okay. So that's that's all done now. So that stage of my life was about twelve years. Uh, it was full time at one point as well. Um, but uh, yeah, that that stage of my life is now done. Well, well um, for all intents and purposes, I can still ask the question, anyways. But oh yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> being a, a being a paramedic, it you know it entails a lot of uh, discipline, a lot of quick thinking, and I happen to wonder how much of that has you know come through. In, in, in your work in e-commerce and like, what would be like the e-com equivalent of an emergency where, you know, the, none. the, the pair of, none, <laughs> none, <laughs> like the amount well, of, I mean, like I assume, I mean for, yes, it's not a direct comparison. People aren't dying, but I mean, if, but there's, if, but that's if, the, yeah. that's the beautiful thing, right. Is that, mm-hmm. is that people will come to me with, you know, we've got a lot of employees, we've got a lot of things going on and, and everybody thinks it's an emergency, right. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I think this is what being a paramedic has really allowed me to do is, is have perspective on, okay, what's a one out of 10 and what's a 10 out of 10, right? Um, even when it was a 10 out of 10, when you're a paramedic and somebody's dying, it's never a 10 out of 10. You're treating it more like about a five, right? You're just like, okay, because you have to be calm in every single circumstance. Shopify goes down. Sure. That's an emergency. Can you do anything about it? No. Right. Um, I really like to, I live my life in, in, with those different quadrants, right? And so the, the happiest people live in the quadrant where there are important things that they can do something about. People mm-hmm. who are who who are are often, you know, very anxious, they're living in the world where they they're thinking about important things that they have no control over, right? The government, right? Getting into politics, all these things, you have no control over that, right? And you can you can bang your head against the wall as much as you want. Um, but unless you're going to do something about it, right? Which then moves into the quadrant of actually having control then you'll be happy and you'll be fulfilled, right? But while you're in that quadrant of complaining, um, it, nothing nothing works in, in my opinion and from my experience. And so being a paramedic has really allowed me over the years 
um, to know when an emergency comes. And yes, there are emergencies, but nothing is really a, a 911, right? <laughs> Most 911 calls aren't 911 calls, right? They are to the person that it's happening to at the time. But as the leader and as the CEO, you need to come in and be like, hey, guys, totally understand, validate the, the problem and let them know we're going to get through this. We can solve this one, too. Right. The only unsolvable problem is death for now. Mm-hmm. You know, well, so. I mean, Zuckerberg, he's doing his best. He's, but... Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'll just uh, uh, tell a quick story because uh, he, yeah, the you know most nine one ones aren't nine one ones. There was one time it, I I was uh, rather dehydrated throughout the course of the day, and I'm you know in a friend's apartment downtown, and next thing I know, my my nose just starts gushing blood, like pretty pretty Ooh. badly too. And so, um, you know, my friend calls uh, calls nine one one to give me the the um, the you know pinch pinch your nose, uh, clog it up, yeah. all that good stuff. And and then an ambulance shows up and it says, look, we can take you to the hospital, but just so you understand. He points directly behind him. The hospital is right there. So, you know, maybe you can just walk over there. I'm like, the hospital's right there. Oh, are you kidding me? So yeah, that one, yeah, I could have could I could have just walked over walked across the street. But yeah, wouldn't wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't have looked out the window and thought, gee, is there a hospital in my proximity? Because I could sure go for one right now. No. Yes, yes, totally. All right, wonderful. Well, um, it's it's been an honor and a privilege to to talk to you. Uh the wrap-up question is. Well, I mean, what you just said pretty much uh, checks this box, but I'm going to, you know, ask it anyways. If you have any last bits of wisdom or like a Chinese proverb, you're like, you're welcome to share it and then let the audience know how they can make contact. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not sure if I have any more uh, words of wisdom for you guys. Uh, I think that um, I, you know, I read a great quote from James Clear this morning uh, who uh, wrote Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, he said, if you're ever thinking about saying thank you or being thankful, do it. It never hurts to say thank you, right? And a lot of people will keep that very close to them. Like, I'm only going to say thanks when it's appropriate, when they've actually done something. You can always say thank you, mm-hmm. always. So thank you guys for listening. Um, thank you for having me on. And uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active over there. So just search Jordan West Marketer. And you can reach out to us at mindfulmarketing.co. Lovely. Well, uh, once more, thank you for, for your time and your knowledge and your insight. And to my audience, thanks to all of you for your contributions and your participa- participation in this. Uh, couldn't do it without you. Um, it is an honor and a privilege to collect this information. Am I using it for my own benefit? You bet I am. And of course, share the information with all of you as well. So with that, take care and we will check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at Debutify.com. Or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.